Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, January 12th episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen Arate. You can follow us at poetsandmuses.com and via social media on Instagram, Twitter, as well as SoundCloud under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. With us today is Clinton Vance, with whom I will be discussing his poem, Salamat Po, or Thank You, and my poem, Lineage. Before we do that, however, I am going to go over all the poetry events taking place in the Phoenix metro area during the week of January 13th. On Monday, January 13th, from 6 to 7.45 p.m., Christy White and the Arizona State Poetry Society will be hosting their monthly Mustang Poets Open Reading and Discussion at the Mustang Library, which is at 10101 North 90th Street in Scottsdale. From 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., Patty would be hosting her monthly poetry roundtable workshop at Changing Hands Bookstore at 6428 South McClintock Drive in Tempe. On Tuesday, January 14th, from 6 to 8 p.m., Connect and Heal will be hosting their weekly poetry writing workshop in room 101 of the Chandler Community Center, which is at 125 East Commonwealth Avenue in Chandler. From 7 to 9 p.m., Arizona Masters of Poetry will be hosting their Creative Collaborative Slam at the Fairtrade Cafe, which is at 1020 North 1st Avenue in Phoenix. To participate in the slam, you can email social at arizonamastersofpoetry.org. Again, that's social at arizonamastersofpoetry.org in order to register to participate in the slam. Only those who have participated in Arizona Masters of Poetry slams previously qualify. From 8 to 11 p.m., Ken Kong will be hosting his The Underground Experience at La Flor de Calabaza at 705 North 1st Avenue, Suite 110 in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 8 p.m. On Wednesday, January 15th, from 5 to 10 p.m., Walt Richardson II will be hosting his weekly Walk-In Wednesdays Open Mic Night at Tempe Center for the Arts, which is at 700 West Rio Salado Parkway in Tempe. As always, from 5 to 6, youth performers can go on, and from 6 to 10, all other performers will go on. Signing up for the first part starts at 4.45 p.m. Second part starts at 5 p.m. From 6 to 8 p.m., the Virginia G. Piper Center for Creative Writing will be hosting their Desert Nights Rising Stars Fellows Reading, featuring, among others, one of Poets and Muses' previous poet guests, Sean Avery. This will be taking place at the Lounge at the Crescent Ballroom at 308 North 2nd Avenue in Phoenix. Wednesday is also the last day to sign up for this month's Pocket to Me at Palabras Bilingual Bookstore, which would take place on Saturday, January 18th, from 6 to 9 p.m. at 1738 East McDowell Road in Phoenix. To participate, email info at palabrasbookstore.com. Again, that's info at palabrasbookstore.com. Palabras is P-A-L-A-B-R-A-S. On Thursday, January 16th, from 6 to 9 p.m., Fatso's Pizza will be hosting its weekly open mic night at 3131 East Thunderbird Road in Phoenix. From 7.30 to 9 p.m., District 4 Poetry will be hosting its monthly poetry open mic at Jarrah's Coffee, Tea, and Gallery at 154 West Main Street in Mesa. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7 p.m. From 8 to 11 p.m., Quinton Oni will be hosting his weekly open mic at Jobot Coffee and Bar, which is at 333 East Roosevelt Street in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7.30 p.m. From 9.45 p.m., Atlas Same Cloud will be hosting his weekly poetry writing workshop at the Welcome Diner at 929 East Pierce Street in Phoenix. 
On Friday, January 17th, from 7.30 to 9.30, Joe Bernstein and Robert Pilla will be hosting their Cowboy Boots to the Revolution All-Star Spoken Word event. This will be taking place at Changing Hands Bookstore at 300 West Camelback Road in Phoenix. On Saturday, January 18th, from 9.30 a.m. to 12 p.m., the East Valley Poets will be hosting their monthly short program and open reading at the Tempe Pile Center at 655 East Southern Avenue in Tempe. From 6 to 9 p.m., Pocket to Me will be taking place at Palabras Bilingual Bookstore at 1738 East McDowell Road in Phoenix. Again, the last day to sign up for is this Wednesday, January 16th, by emailing info at palabrasbookstore.com. Again, that's info at palabrasbookstore.com. Palabras is P-A-L-A-B-R-A-S. From 6 to 10 p.m., Mesa Community College will be putting on their MLK Gala, honoring the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. This will be taking place at their Red Mountain Campus at 7110 East McKellops Road in Mesa. For those who are not Red Mountain Campus students, you can purchase tickets at Eventbrite. And now let us welcome our poet guest of the week, Clinton Vance. Hi, Clinton. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. Happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, awesome. You brought with you the poem. Salamat po. Salamat po. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure how to say it. I didn't want to ruin it. So it means thank you, right? Mm-hmm. In Pinoa? Yes, in Tagalog, yes. Wait, what's the difference between that and Pinoa? I think Tagalog is like the, the official language of the Philippines. <laughs> Okay. My mom speaks Tagalog and a dialect called Biko. It's like a regional dialect. Oh, okay. Um, I should I should know this, but yeah. Oh, hey, I could just interview your mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that at some point. Absolutely. Make her write a poem. She doesn't do any writing, but she does play the guitar, so. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah you have mentioned that in your poem as well. Mm-hmm. But um, before we get into your poem, do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? My name is Clinton Vance. I'm an actor and a, and a writer. I like to think of myself as, like, overall a storyteller. Like, mm-hmm. my dad, he was in the military for 22 years in the Army. Mm-hmm. My mom, she was studying in Germany when ah. she met my dad, okay. and they got married in Germany. Oh, okay. um, Yeah. I have an older sister, younger sister. I studied at University of Arizona, a degree in creative writing with an emphasis on fiction. Okay. A minor in film and television. I did take a poetry workshop during my undergrad, like as part of my creative writing fiction major, and like in a few uh, poetry analysis class, like modernist poetry. I remember analyzing a T.S. Eliot poem. Oh. And it was it was so complicated. I was like, ah, how do you how do you even break this down? <laughs> T.S. Eliot was crazy. Do you remember which one? It's sort of with a G. I can't pronounce it. Geronchen or Geronchen or something like that. I, the, the, the pronunciation is lost to me. I haven't, I haven't even looked at the phone since oh, I covered it in class. What was it about? Wow. <laughs> it was, I think it was about, wow, it's been so long. It's been like five years. I forgot. I graduated in 2014. Jeez. Okay. Well, no, if you don't remember. Yeah. Like, my bad. It's, <laughs> no, no, uh, no worries. <laughs> you didn't know I was going to quiz you about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Recently, I've been on this journey of, of introspection because mm-hmm. my dad passed away uh, last year in September. Mm-hmm. He passed with lung cancer, and that kind of kicked off. Like because I had an estranged relationship with my dad, it made me examine all my other relationships and pay closer attention and be more aware of myself and my relationship with my surroundings mm-hmm. and people that I love and strangers too. Just. Mm-hmm. how I fit in in this world and art, writing, acting, I believe is my navigation system in this journey in, in introspection. Mm-hmm. And also the fuel source and also the keepsakes I find along the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but even before my dad passed, acting and writing was just so, I could never not do it. Like I always need to act or write or something. Mm-hmm. Like if I do get lazy and I do play video games and <laughs> play a lot of video games. It's okay. I think yeah. you're allowed other interests. In <laughs> <laughs> Stream a lot of videos and a lot of a lot of shows, but 
I always have like this this itch, this artist itch that I mm. want to like act or write. And I've just recently come back to poetry, especially after the Desert Dewata showcase mm-hmm. uh, that Erin invited me to. I'm grateful to her for that. I use poetry to as another form of storytelling and like mm. another form of expressing myself. And it's been a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Until then, I, I didn't know that you wrote poetry as well. I heard you tell more personal stories. Right. But not any of your poetry. Is it because of that particular poetry class that you started writing poetry, or did you start way before that? I did start before that. I did write like one song, like this pop song, like this this lovesick song in、oh. middle school. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember how it went, but I wrote it by myself. Then I wrote it for class. Oh. I was like. Why don't I just like refine it a little bit and write it for a class?、Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. It, was, it was so stupid. But I was so proud of myself because I wrote a song. Yeah. And then、uh, <laughs> and I did write some poetry outside of class, but I don't know. I just judged it too harshly. I just didn't think it was good enough. I just felt like I was so intimidated. Because、right. I always felt like I was more equipped to do novel writing, because like I could write, you know, like a lot, a lot of words, no matter what. But like、mm-hmm. I always had like this this weird notion in my head saying that like I couldn't do poetry because there's not enough lines I can write right, right, to make、right. it make sense or whatever. Well, you can always go to、uh, epic poetry, you know, like <laughs> be the modern Homer or something. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I have I have written a few narrative poems in my poetry workshop.、Yeah. There were like characters and stuff. It was like a mini play of sorts.、Oh, I called、okay. it the drift, and it was like an exploration of like how I viewed the world. It wasn't how my writing is now, where like I try to write for truth. I was trying、mm-hmm. back then. I was trying to write to be like deep or like cool <laughs> or whatever. It was I don't know what I was thinking when I wrote that. But,、yeah. <laughs> well, I think we all go through phases where we concentrate on certain subjects. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, do you want to read the poem for us? And then we we know what it sounds like. Okay, this poem, Salamat po. You speaking Tagalog on the phone with Auntie Lisa has always been music that warms me. It makes me think, yes, I'm home. Salamat po. You insisting lumpia, pancit, and sometimes shopao and sticky rice be a part of every get together we hosted. Even when Dad would only want hot dogs and burgers, reinforced the notion that our house wasn't just black or American, but also Pinoy. Salamat po. Some nights I'd lie awake in the dark. I couldn't sleep because I was afraid of monsters, the world ending, or the dark. And then your infectious laugh, ignited by the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, or perhaps Saturday Night Live, would pierce the silence, brighten my spirit. Persuade my lips to curl into a smile, and lull me to sleep. In that order, salamat po. Through college and after, your anangginagawa mo Facebook messages were my calls to action when I lazed around. Your magandang gabi texts were my Arizona sunsets just before midnight. Salamat po. Even now, you amaze and surprise me with your hidden talents that seem to come out of nowhere. Guitar playing and geometric art making with yarn of different colors are among the latest. Salamat po. When you call me boy, as you have for twenty-eight years, it reminds me that I didn't know everything. I will never know everything, but I can learn. I can progress. I can fail. I can succeed. I can be middle-aged and still be your boy. It comforts and irks me. Salamat po. Thank you. Thank you. Such a nice, a lovely poem written for your mom, right? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I can never thank my mom enough or give her enough praise because like everything she does is for the kids, especially now. Like she always tries to you know keep us together, especially after my dad passed.、Mm-hmm. I'm always grateful to her. I can never thank her enough, as I already said. <laughs> yeah, it really shows how grateful you are, and even things that might at the moment, you know. As you said, irk you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really nice that you find the capacity to show your appreciation、yeah. for this. Was there a, a particular occasion that that prompted you to write this? Honestly, I've wanted to pay tribute to my mom so many times, and I just never knew how to do it.、Mm-hmm. But after Aaron invited me to Desert Iwata, like I figured I need to write pieces for this. I want to pay tribute to my mom. 
through this showcase because mm-hmm. I, I knew she would she would want to be there right and like I knew I had to perform it mm-hmm. so I resolved to write this mm-hmm. it was very difficult for me to shape it like write it the way I wrote it <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know if that makes sense right. but it took me a lot a lot of planning and like looking inward and thinking like what do I want to say mm-hmm. I knew I wanted the title to be Salamapo but I didn't know like what I wanted to include in it and mm-hmm. I figured it would be these moments that seem little or small but like to me it just meant the world right I'm living with my mom again I see her every day and like I praise everything that I'm back with her and I can see her every day because I didn't know how much I missed seeing her every day because I, I haven't lived with my mom for a while I, I lived in Phoenix with, with roommates for a couple years mm-hmm. I would visit but not often yeah. and like my mom and I like talk all the time now we have these long conversations mm-hmm. and she for the first time told me that like when we had get-togethers my dad would tell her like he didn't want her to have lumpia or pensit there he just wanted hot dogs and hamburgers and like my mom would refuse she's like no this is my heritage I needed to be there right right and uh but t- tell us explain a little bit where our Lumpia and Tell So uh, lumpia is uh, the Filipino version of uh, egg rolls. Oh, okay. Or spring rolls, I guess. It's a Filipino staple. Mm-hmm. It's at every Filipino get-together I've ever been to. Okay. Are they smaller? I think they're smaller. Yeah, right? they're, yeah, they're smaller usually. But the ones that my mom makes, like they're a little bit bigger. They're like maybe like double or triple the size of, of normal lumpia. Most of the time she'll put like mixed vegetables like peas, corn, carrots, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas like some other lumpia usually has... Uh, just meat and maybe some seasoning and stuff like that mm-hmm. maybe onions mm-hmm. um yeah my mom made it her way and i've always enjoyed her, her type of lumpia mm-hmm. and i always eat it like no matter what sometimes my ulcerative colitis my disease would act up or whatever but i'd be like ah i want to eat some lumpia <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't not eat lumpia and pancit is a noodle dish um okay. yeah it's noodles that are sauteed in grilled chicken and vegetables like cabbage carrots green beans Things of that nature, right. which is also another staple. Mm-hmm. You always see pancit at a Filipino gatherings. Mm-hmm. Always hear my my friends who are Filipino or half Filipino talking about like, yeah, I'm about to make me some pancit or like, I want to eat this pancit <laughs> real quick, <laughs> stuff like that. And shopao uh, is a type of meat bun. Oh. Um, it's dough and like sautéed meat, usually ground beef. Well, the ones that my mom makes. She make them from scratch. Yeah, usually. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, she yeah she make she'd make the dough and like saute the meat, put it inside the dough. Sometimes she'd put uh, eggs and like mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's it, like boiled eggs. Right. The Easter really loved the boiled egg ones mm-hmm. um, with with the, with the meat, mm-hmm. but sometimes I just like the straight up meat. <laughs> I don't know. Right. <laughs> and the sticky rice, it's a dessert. It's uh, oh, okay. it's it's sweet right. and sticky. <laughs> <laughs> and it's with like it's with a lot, a lot of brown rice and excuse me not brown rice brown sugar right and uh ah I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I'm bit. embarrassed but I don't know the all the ingredients it's okay it's ah. okay I know uh, I'm the same way I don't cook I just eat <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I remember my oldest sister like like a week ago was like <laughs> stop making mom cook all the time like cook for yourself and I'm like yeah I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> do you do you cook? Oh yeah, sometimes. Just not lately, cause I'm back at my mom's house. And my mom always like offers to cook, and I'm like, I don't want to say no, cause I always miss her cooking, and whatever she cooks, I always eat, and it's delicious. Mm, um, sometimes, yeah, but sometimes they're like, they're, there's times where she doesn't want to cook, cause like she's tired, and like that's understandable. So right, like, yeah. you know, I make myself leftovers, or like <laughs> cook myself something, or like go out to eat. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> So you were talking about these moments. Basically, each each stanza is pretty much a moment that you present. Can you walk us through some of them and tell us why they mean so much to you? Absolutely. Like the stanza in which I, <laughs> um, I see some nights I lie awake in the dark. I've always had trouble sleeping. Like even when I was little, like I was always scared of something. Mm-hmm. Like when I was about six or seven, there's always those those natural disaster movies, like those those asteroid movies, like Deep Impact, Armageddon. <laughs> and I'd always be afraid that like at night the asteroids would blow up the world or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, it would just keep me up. It's something I can't control. Like right, I, right. If, if an asteroid comes, what am I gonna do about it? Right. <laughs> what is yeah. anyone gonna do about it? And yeah. Like, but like that stuff like that would make me lie awake at night or like I'd have nightmares and wake mm-hmm. up and cry or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Sometimes my mom would be up 
and she would just be like in the living room or something, and then I'd hear her laugh, her amazing, wonderful laugh. <laughs> so animated. Or she'd be talking to her, her sister, Auntie Lisa, who lives in Louisiana. Mm. She's always on the phone talking to Auntie Lisa, and like it was just such a comfort to me. That's another stanza, but like <laughs> mm. just her laugh and like just hearing her talk, it was just so comforting. It was almost like mm -hmm. a lullaby. Because yeah. like it's it's the voice that I've always known. Right. And you said you wrote that she sings, right? Or at least she plays the guitar. Yes. Does she also sing? Yeah, she does sing. Honestly, I think she has a beautiful voice. It's, it's pure, it's truthful when she sings. Sometimes she'll sing sarcastically. When she'd sing, like my, my dad would always like tell her to stop. Even sometimes like my siblings or I would, would tell, tell her to stop or whatever. But like each time she did, like, I always envied that so much because like she'd do it no matter what. Like no matter, mm. like she'd sing and like she wouldn't care who told her to stop or whatever. She'd like laugh it off or whatever. Mm -hmm. She would never, she, she wouldn't let anyone get her down about like, you know, singing and stuff. Mm. And when, when I started singing, like I, I would try to emulate her in that. Like I wouldn't let anyone get me down like mm -hmm. if like my voice sucked or whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Right. You put in a, uh, a lot of Tagalog, right? Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure what all of them mean. Absolutely, okay. Like, when you were talking about through college, that she would send you messages, and then she would send you texts. Mm -hmm. What did they say? Yeah, <laughs> she would always preface it. She would say, hi, boy, anong ginagawamo? Anong ginagawamo means, uh, what are you doing? Oh, like, just okay. like, this is what you say when you message somebody. It's like, hey, what are you doing? Right, but like right, she'd right. say it in her uh, Filipino way, right. and like usually when when she messaged me, like I would I wouldn't be doing anything, or I'd just be like lazing around or procrastinating on homework or something like that. <laughs> and like she'd say that like What are you doing? And I'm like Oh man, I gotta remember why I'm here, why I'm doing what I'm doing. And like right. like a lot of times, my mom, as I say in the poem, like it was like a call to action to start doing homework or okay. start doing something not just not just sit there and just be idle you know mm -hmm. try to try to do something that's productive or something that i actually want to do instead of just like an in-between just mm -hmm. like a i don't know because i have this fondness for doing nothing right, right. like a lot of the times because like i don't know growing up i was always an observer like but i never directly interacted with things because like i always felt like it was so taxing or Mm. energy draining for right. because I'd be like excited or panicked because like usually I, no one would talk to me like I'd, I'd look and listen but like no one would like talk directly to me right. like because I was always all small and cute or whatever and like <laughs> people would just like give me a smile or whatever but wouldn't say anything to me but when they would talk I'd be like uh I'd be like a deer in the headlights you know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah it sounds like she's kind of the opposite she's more like an extrovert and you're more introverted um, I honestly think my mom is also an introvert. It's just that she had more of those social muscles, I guess. Mm -hmm. As opposed to me, sometimes I wouldn't, I wouldn't speak unless spoken to. But my mom, she had to develop those communication skills because she, she always works and she's always in jobs where she has to deal with people and stuff like that. Okay. So uh, what she do? currently she works at the hospital at Luke Air Force Base okay. um, in the West Valley. She works in records. Uh, the oh, medical records. Okay. She helps uh, patients access their medical records, all that stuff. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so she has to be in constant communication mm -hmm. with people. Absolutely, yeah. And, right. Yeah, and she's always worked these jobs. She used to work part-time jobs when my dad worked full-time. When my dad retired, and when she was the only one working, she was always working and just getting stuff done so, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. so she can like, provide for her family. Mm -hmm. I just feel really really lucky that I just had such strong female ro role models growing up. Not just my mom, but also my older sister mm. and uh, my younger sister as well. Mm. How far apart are you age-wise? Age-wise, me and my older sister, she's a year and two months older than me. Oh, yeah, wow. she's pretty, okay. she's pretty, uh, yeah. My little sister, um, Kitty, she is approximately three and a half years younger than I am. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My little sister, she's a transgender female. She came out when she was 18. Mm -hmm. I remember when she came out, she was like one of the bravest people I've ever seen. Like She just told my parents that she was bisexual and she came out as transgender female. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just standing there with her, making sure that like she had someone to lean on if she had to. Right, right. So she told you and you, your older sister first? Mm -hmm. okay. and, then she, and then she came out to my parents. How did your parents take it? Well, after my, my sister came out, my dad was the first to speak. He said that we'll always su support you no matter what. Oh, 
and my mom said the same thing. Mm. It was a challenge for them because my dad is from very much a product of his time. He was born in 1938. He was mm. very set in his ways, but he did what he could to accept Kitty's identity. Um, mm. I remember the first time he called her daughter, I was just like, oh man, he's actually trying. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom had some struggles with it as well, but eventually she accepted her as well. And uh, my old sister as well, yeah. yeah. Is she on her own now? Or? She's currently living in Michigan right now. Oh, okay. She has a boyfriend there that lives there. Yeah. It's cold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is cold up there. Have you visited? Yeah. I haven't visited her, visited her yet, but um, mm-hmm. she's happy there. That's good. I'm glad she's with someone that cares about her and someone that she cares about as well. Uh, do they meet here or did she go away for school or something? I think they met online. Mm, okay. Yeah. Did he go to ASU? Oh, okay. She was an on-campus mentor to incoming freshmen, mm-hmm. and she shared her story with them mm-hmm. of how she came out and how, like, her struggles with uh, her new identity. Mm-hmm. It was always so truthful and emotional. Because yeah. I went to one of her, the disorientation that ASU did where they where she would tell her story, and right. uh, my mom and my dad went as well, and my mom was just crying when my sister was telling her story. Mm-hmm. I was crying, too, because I was like, ah. She's so brave for doing this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I remember, like, the students would come up to her and hug her. Mm-hmm. And they would ask, they were like, is that, is that a true story? And I'm like, why would she <laughs> say that and not be true? <laughs> 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 I don't know. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she made it all up. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be horrible. Oh, man, yeah. But, yeah, it must have been quite an ordeal to come out. Like, how far apart between when she told you guys, the siblings, and when she told your parents? It was several months, I believe. Okay. Because she was going back and forth on how to tell our parents. Right. Because my dad, he wasn't what you would say in support of LGBTQ. It was difficult for him. Mm -hmm. That's that's where the difficulty came from. So a lot of anxiety. Yes, absolutely. It just got to Kitty. She'd cry and stuff. I'm glad it worked out. I don't know if you've heard those episodes with Ravenhair. She was talking about when she was coming out. And also we were talking about how there's a correlation between political beliefs and how accepting people are of certain, especially people from marginalized groups. And that's a trend that she sees as well. Mm-hmm. But then when you meet individuals, even if they are of conservative political belief, sometimes if they have the experience of you know, meeting a transgender person or people of different races, they can be very accepting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, well, of course, I don't know your dad's political <laughs> leaning, so can't assume. Yeah, yeah, he definitely hated Trump, dang. Mm. Wow, so much. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's another topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he must love how he supports, and I put quotes on that, <laughs> the oh, military. Man. Oh, man. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I hated that. Yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, going back to your poem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's really lovely to see how you find inspiration in like, all the things that your mom does, and you conveyed that in, in the everyday little vignettes that mm-hmm. you put together. And you had said that, that it was just your anticipation of performing in Desert Iwata, mm-hmm. the Exodus performance that made you write this. Did it come out pretty much in this shape? I mean, obviously everybody edits, but mm-hmm. did you have to edit a lot? Was there a lot of versions of it? Mm, honestly, no. Once I figured out what I wanted to write, it didn't flow out, but what I had typed up, I, I, I don't know, I really liked Mm-hmm. I did go through it a few times before I performed it to make sure like there were like no grammatical errors errors or make sure like I, I consulted my mom with a pronunciation of the Tagalog and like clarified some things mm-hmm. and also I tried to choose the words carefully like I used erg specifically because mm-hmm. <laughs> I looked it up on dictionary.com right, right. the sample sentence says the fact that he had to stand in line irked him right. it's like a minor inconvenience or whatever right. like it's not it's not that big of a deal but like he's still like like huffing and right. buffing about it just like how like when my mom calls me boy I have like it's endearing and I love when she does it but also like I'm just like I'm a boy I'm, I'm 20 years old mom <laughs> but like you know I have said like once or twice where I, like I didn't want to be called boy but like 
both times I always regret it because I'm like, why'd she call me boy? What the heck's wrong with that? Like, <laughs> I am her boy. And she always say that. She's like, you are my boy. You'll always be my boy. And I'm like, and I'm just like, yeah, I can't argue with that. Like, it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes it's difficult, right? Because you're trying to, because you, you are growing as a person and you're maturing. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to be seen by parents as an adult when you become adult. And that transition can be difficult and irksome. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> I don't know, I just, sometimes I just rebel for, like, the weirdest trivial reasons, or I get defensive over things. Mm. Sometimes my dad or or my mom would tell me something about myself, like, something I, like, I remember once my dad caught me when I was deep in thought, and I was, I was standing a certain way, and he giggled, and, like, he was like, boy, you've been standing like that ever since you were little. And I I looked at myself, I'm like, no, I haven't. And he's like, he's like, yes, you have. (laughs) And, like, my mom would say the same exact thing about something. Mm-hmm. Like that I did or said or something like that, and I just always feel like no, it, that's not that's not true. And then, like they're my parents, so they know. Like they're not gonna. Right, right. Yeah. You're making up things. Yeah. They're just messing with you. Yeah. They're <laughs> out to get me. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> it's such a lovely poem. I, I really enjoy reading it, and the sentiments really come through. How how much you appreciate her. Was that the first time you read it at the Exodus event? Mm-hmm. That was the first time. Yeah. Um, I did read parts of it to her, mm-hmm. and I, I made sure that she was okay with me, like, writing a poem about her and stuff. Right, like, right, right. I made sure she was okay with, like, me presenting it in front of her and all that. Right, And right. she was fine with it, so I was yeah. like, all right, cool, well, let's do it. What did she think? What did um, she tell you after the performance? <laughs> I remember talking with her a little bit. But... Yeah. She, she said, good boy. <laughs> like, something along those lines. She always says something like that. She's always a good or, or like, these simple words that, like, just the way she said it or the way she looked at me or the way she, like, you know, touched my arm or something like that. It, it just clued me in, like, how, like, she was always honest about it and, like, mm. she wasn't, like, trying to, like, you know, coddle me or placate me or whatever. Right. I never have doubts that, like, Oh, does my mom love me or something like that? Like, same with my dad. Like, I always knew that my parents loved me, which also irked me too, because it's like, ah, (laughs) I messed up really bad. Why don't you hate me or something? (laughs) But then, like, I don't know. Like, I just, I get, I'd always be so hard on myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a double edged sword sometimes, right? Because you're like, oh, no, I don't want to disappoint them. (laughs) Yeah. It was, there's a lot of that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you have to live your own life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I've yeah, I've been discovering that. It's also sometimes really difficult to do that. Mm. Um, well, the Asian heritage thing, too. You know? Yeah. It's like you live for your community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I... I mean, she, she's been here for over 30 years, right? Since she was in her early 20s. Yeah, she's been here for a very long time. Not too long, though. I love you, Mom. If you ever listen to this, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, just from what you wrote in the poem, there is a part of her that's very proud of who she is, her heritage, mm-hmm. that she should Absolutely. be. At the same time, because she's raising American kids, mm-hmm. you know, there is always a little bit of a disconnect, a yeah. cultural disconnect. So how how do you feel like she's bridging that? The way she, bri- she bridges it, like loving us no matter what, always accepting us no matter what. Sometimes she'll... <laughs> So throw in like a like a comment that like hurts my ego or something like that, but like it's not like she's out to get me or whatever. Mm. Like she's always on my side, and she always tried to teach me Tagalog, but like I don't know, like like what you said about the disconnect. I don't know. I always felt discouraged every time I tried to learn Tagalog. It was a me thing. Like I, mm. I felt like I I didn't say the word right or like I didn't understand, and it would just discourage me, and like I'd feel judged or whatever. Like, every time my mom corrected my pronunciation or what have you, and it just got to a point where, like, I, I never learned the language. No, no. Um, but I can understand a lot of what my mom tells me in Tagalog and, like, right. what she writes to me, like, on Facebook and stuff. Right, right. So you just need to go. They just need to, like, take you there and yeah. drop you off a plane and say bye. Yeah. <laughs> I did have the opportunity to go to the Philippines when I was, like, 14, I think. Mm. My mom and my older sister went to the Philippines when myself and my and my younger sister went with my dad to Chicago. Mm. He wanted to go to Chicago to visit grandma's grave, his mom, mm. and also to take care of some business there. 
I'm not really sure what kind of business he wanted to take care of, but, <laughs> but we, we like enjoyed the sights and the sound of Chicago, but I'd always have these thoughts of like, my mom and my old sister are in the Philippines right now. I've never been to the Philippines. Right. right. I went, I've been to Chicago. I, I went there when I was like six and I'm not going to say like, ah, I, I hated going to Chicago when I was 13. Like I, I loved it. I loved traveling yeah, yeah. with my dad and my younger sister, but I wish I, I would have like, you know, went on a trip to the Philippines. I mean, it's still time. Um, yeah, my, yeah. my mom is actually trying to plan a trip there herself because my auntie wants to go back yeah. as well. And I want to hopefully help finance my mom's trip there. Right. I'm not sure if like, I'll, we'll have enough for both of us. I know my older sister would want to go too. Right. I don't know if there's enough money. But if anything, I want my mom to go back because it's, you know, it's her homeland. And, right. like, she talks to her family back home like on Facebook and stuff. Mm. But it's not the same. yeah, it's not the same. I sat in on a webcam conversation with some of some of the family in the Philippines when my mom contacted them. Like it was years ago though, mm. and I didn't stay long because I was gonna go to the movies with my friends. Right. Just like I had planned to go to the movies with my friends before I knew my mom was gonna do this conversation. And like I was just like, oh man, I gotta leave. <laughs> I said hi to them and like said kumusta ka, how are you doing? But, like, other than that, I don't know. Again, the disconnect. Like, I felt like, for some reason... Well, there always <laughs> is. Even if your family has been here for generations or things like that, there is always a disconnect. You for know, sure, one yeah. element or another. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the fact that they're from a different culture makes it even more mm -hmm. just apparent. Or maybe not so much apparent, but something that we think that it's more because of that. Mm -hmm. Hope you'll get to go. Yeah, I'm definitely. Jealous. I want to go. Yeah. I've been to the Philippines. <laughs> I have friends from there who were like inviting me. I'm like, uh, oh, really? Somebody just want to give me the airfare? Yeah, do it. Because, <laughs> well, actually, from this side, it's not as expensive because you're just flying west. Right, yeah. So it's still a long flight, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Over 10 hours, you know? Yeah, so what my mom and my sister did when, when they went when I was 14, we drove them to LAX. Oh, um, and they, they got six on six hours yeah they stopped in Taipei first mm -hmm. and then they flew to the Philippines I believe that's what right. happened yeah because it's south of Taipei right yeah oh. mm -hmm. I wonder if now they have a direct flight right? oh yeah I think they do I think they went again and they flew from Phoenix oh, okay okay oh, cool yeah well, I think my mom I think it was just my mom it might okay. have just been my mom right 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 yeah yeah because it's hard not to go back well, she didn't. She didn't come here directly from Germany, did she? After she met your dad, or did they go to the Philippines first? No, my dad's never been in the Philippines. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, yeah. They came to the states after. I think they they landed in Delaware, mm. and then they they did like a road trip of sorts. Mm. Went through Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. My dad used to live in Pittsburgh for a bit. Okay. They wound up in Tacoma, Washington, where uh, my my older sister was born. Okay. And then uh, they found themselves in San Jose, California, where I was born. Okay. I think I was born in San Jose, and then we immediately moved to Sunnyvale, <laughs> California. When I was three, we moved to New Mexico because of my dad's job. Okay. Uh, he worked for, I think, a company in, called Intel. Oh, and, uh, yeah. We, we lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico, for almost a year, mm -hmm. and that's where my, my younger sister was born. Okay. Three different places. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then we moved to Arizona. Okay. Chandler. I lived there for a few years. Then we moved to the West Valley, and I spent most of my life in the West Valley. Okay. Yeah. Avondale, Goodyear, Litchfield Park, that area. Right. Suburbs. <laughs> Gosh. Wow. Yeah. So all of those time, all of the travel that you did in, in the States, that was after your dad was discharged? So uh, he, it wasn't part of the military moving? I don't believe that was part of it. That was his... Oh, wait. Maybe? Hmm. There's so much I don't know. I wonder. I, it seems like there's so many bases. You can't yeah. keep track. I mean, there are bases in the Philippines, too. So that's why I was wondering yeah. maybe the Army had transferred them or something. Because yeah, no. sometimes you can put in a transfer yeah. post. <laughs> <laughs> so it's because of this gratefulness that I felt when reading your poem. And also gratefulness to a mom who, like, in all of these things that she does on an everyday basis, mm -hmm. that engender so much thanks that I chose my poem, right. um, which is a, about another mother, a much bigger, all-encompassing mother. I figured that's what you meant. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to read that. It's called Lineage. 
I have a hard copy here if you'd like to. Oh, please, yes. We make our pilgrimage from the six directions to conference for the feast, guided by celestial lights that mark our toiling, now yielding another year's harvest, that maize welcomes with its colorful toothy grin, blushing the shy tomatoes, the squashes hide in embarrassment, weighted down to earth, and beans curl their ends in ripe laughter. For all this mirth, thanks are given in the form of observation and care, according to mother's decree, gather through the years. From the syllables, flocks spell out with their beating wings to water that gives life in droplets stringing into waving bands with whose azure and white foams nimble nymphs weave patterns in schools mobilizing up and down the streams. She pointed to the herds calling out the knowledge in rhythmic sounds counted by their stumping feet. And we listened and watched day and night that formed tales recounted by crackling fires to inspire our own steps dancing to accompany the celebration of annual feats. The printing Macau contributes its bright plumage to warm our eyes as chocolate is imbibed. With gifts brought from near and afar, we imitate to pay tribute to those sacrificed for our continuance, knowing that this home with careful tending will maintain lives thriving as we learned from ancient pasts that a tilt of skill will upset the balance, forcing journeys stretching thin, ties to common origins. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it's just it's nice to hear you hear you speak it. I was reading it myself, but um, what inspired you to write it? Well, I was actually in the library because they have a lot of stuff that I had not. I've only seen a small part of, and I was looking for an episode from this PBS special, but they didn't have that episode. But they had this like box set on Native Americans, mm. and I wanted to watch it. And so I watched it, and it talked about Native American heritage in the Southwest regions, not necessarily this area, but from the southwest of the U.S. all the way down to Central America and some of the connections between the two, like the chocolate and the Macau. Yeah. Because they were saying that from the archaeological evidence that there must have been a trade going on all along these routes oh, and wow. there were gatherings and there was, again, archaeological evidence of annual gatherings. And I wrote this before last Thanksgiving mm -hmm. and I wanted to write something that celebrated the harvest from a Native American point of view. Oh, okay. Um, but I was also, I still am, trepidatious when I'm reading it because <laughs> I'm like, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not from that heritage. Right. It was inspired by the series. And I wanted to write something beautiful that touches on all of these imageries yeah. that the series kind of brought up. Yeah, I really like the... Like, even the opening line, we, we make our pilgrimage from the six directions. Like, I don't know, it just pulled me in. I was like, oop, I'm in for something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things that they were talking about, how those nations, the concept of direction, the concept of space and dimensions. Oh, okay. Six directions, that's crazy. Yeah. And your personification of, of roots, the blushing shy tomatoes, the squashes hide embarrassment, the beans curl their ends in, in ripe laughter. <laughs> it just, I don't know, it made me smile when I, when I thought of it and just steamy vegetables. <laughs> I, honestly, I honestly, like, pictured them, like, actually doing all this stuff, like, blushing yeah, and, yeah. and, like, and hiding and stuff. I forget if I read a poem that has something similar or it maybe it was Disney when I was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I very much enjoyed that. Yeah, I always enjoy, like personification and putting two online things together mm -hmm. the nimble nymphs weave patterns in, in schools I, I i just really like that alliteration too <laughs> yeah sometimes i go nuts with my alliterations i'm like oh let's see how many words we can do together <laughs> <laughs> there's one poem where i did the entire last line in alliteration it was like five words or something Oof. Dang. five <laughs> words like, let's awesome. go nuts <laughs> it's like like dr seuss <laughs> 
<laughs> no. <laughs> we imitate to, to pay tribute to those sacrificed. The we there, is that the, um, the Native Americans? Yeah, yeah, the hunters. Right. Yeah, I think the last two, well, this is four stanzas, so the third stanza especially is about the, more the hunters and the stories and also waiting to hunt. And part of it is that all the different nations or tribes, nations, I think, when they come together, they bring little gifts. Right, okay. Um, just like Asian families, you know, like when you go to a family gathering or... It's been a long time when you visit a family member, you bring some little gifts yeah. for everyone. Yeah, pay tribute, make, uh, make sure you know that it's like, it's important to you. Yeah. That, they, that, that you respect them and they, they respect you all. Uh-huh. Yeah. A lot of cultures have these post-harvest holidays. Right. For thanking the gods for making this year bountiful, yeah. otherwise we all starve, you know. Right, So right. this is similar, but because... The culture is both hunter and gathering. So the the first part is more somewhat more gathering. Yeah. The second part is more hunting. Right. But they also pay tribute to the animals whose lives were sacrificed, whose lives are being appreciated because right. they help us or help them, the Native Americans, nations who were hunting, to continue their lives. So that appreciation for their lives that they imitate in these post-harvest celebrations. Right. I have to go rent this again because I'm like, oh my God, how can I not remember all of these things? And <laughs> it, it bothers me, but... It's totally cool. Like, I mean, I encountered the same challenges too, like recalling recalling from things, especially like some of the stuff that I wrote here. <laughs> when you, you asked me, I'm like, oh wait, what did I do? <laughs> I really had to think. I know, that's the thing. It's sometimes, um, I don't know if you get the same feeling when you're writing, you're almost like channeling, and then when you go back, you're like, "Oh, I wrote this." Okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's almost <laughs> like you're yeah, like you said, channeling or like being possessed or something. Yeah, yeah. Because with my poems specifically, I relied a lot on these sensory techniques that I learned in my acting class, like recall, like not just sight, like of the memories, but also like sound, like with the laughter. Yeah. And like smells, I didn't, re- I didn't really put in smell, but like. Yeah. I would smell things like like the lumpia or the or the mm-hmm. or the pencil, like when I wrote it. Like even when I was reading the poem too, like I, I was taken back and uh, yeah. I don't know, it just made me smile. Yeah. Yeah, like similarly when I when I read your poem, I would see the images and I would see the dances and the and the and the gathering. Yeah, I would see the images and I would smile and I would be like, Wow, this is just so engaging and I'm just like it's like I'm like I'm I'm part of the story, I'm along for the ride. Cool. Yeah. Good. Appreciate that. As I said, because I'm not from that lineage, this mm-hmm. is not my culture. Um, sometimes I don't always write from my personal perspective mm, anymore. Okay. I still do a lot, but there are a lot of times when events happen or you know something I'm reading, I'm either from the news or I'm watching a movie or watching like this documentary series. Uh, it just really inspired me, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, I want to write about that, and. Uh, but, you know, I, I am always very trepidatious about cultural appropriation. Oh, yeah. Especially for communities who's currently being marginalized, who's currently facing still genocidal actions. Yeah. I did read it recently. I was at the Art of Justice, which is usually the last Tuesday of the month. I was invited to be the feature reader for, for Thanksgiving, for the holidays. Mm-hmm. and. And I wanted to read this, and I, I told the Native American people there, I was like, okay, I saw this documentary series, please let me know if there's anything missing or you think it's wrong, because I do want feedback for it. Uh, yeah. At the same time, I also want to read this poem, because I, I am proud of my poems. Yeah, absolutely. It's <laughs> awesome. So. Yeah, like what you said about cultural appropriation, like, even though I am half Filipino, like, sometimes I feel like... I'm an imposter, like, I don't belong, like, even, even, like, I'm, I'm half black as well, and, like, mm-hmm. sometimes I feel that way, too, like, well, not so much anymore, because mm-hmm. I've, like, uh, gotten over my, I'm not black enough, I'm not Filipino enough, I've just gotten over that, but, uh, I... Do you feel like the, those feelings are engendered from outside pressure, like, being somewhere between the two groups, but never, maybe not being accepted by either group? fully i don't know what your experience has been. yeah especially growing up it was a lot of outside pressure 
just the fact that I go to some of the Filipino get-togethers and I wouldn't see, you know, kids that, that looked like me, I guess. Mm. Or I would, you know, interact or, like, try to socialize. Mm. And, like, I just felt like I just didn't belong. And I think that was mostly me. Like, some kids would even say, do you want to play? you want to, like, play with us and mm. stuff? I'd be like, I don't know. Like, should I? <laughs> like, is it, is it okay? Like, mm-hmm. like same, same with the... Growing up, like, it was... I had a weird relationship with, like, my friends who were black. Like, sometimes I get teased for not knowing, like, black pop culture or something like that. Like, my friend had a Medea Goes to Jail shirt. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that was an actual movie because I didn't know mm-hmm. it, like, it had come out. I was like, Medea Goes to Jail? Like, I didn't know that was a thing. And, like, <laughs> and, like he made fun of me. Like, he told everybody, he was like, hey, guess what? Quentin doesn't know <laughs> that Medea Goes to Jail is a thing. And I'm like, really? Like, it's a weird thing, right? Yeah. It's that even in your in-group, and I talk about this with Erin because she's Korean-American, and we mm-hmm. talk about her navigating these two cultures right. as well, is that there's always this assumption from some people of whichever group that you, you are part of mm-hmm. and that, oh, there's a set of knowledge that you're supposed to know. Oh, yeah. But that's the same as anybody else from another group who looks in on you and say or has a fetishism about your culture and say, well, why did you know this? Oh, yeah. Oh. I, like, I remember meeting this uh, French guy who's, who was a scientist, okay? <laughs> who's, like, a biophysicist. So, you know, he's at least, like, IQ smart. Yeah. <laughs> IQ smart, yeah. Yeah. I like that. And he had just broken up with his Asian girlfriend, and he was saying, why don't you carry black bean sauce in your bag? I'm like, why would I carry what? black bean what? sauce? Apparently, his uh, ex-girlfriend was from another part of, you know, the country. And I was just like, um, and so I actually had to school him. And by the end of the night, he kind of called me a bitch. And I was like, hey, I earned oh, that. And I'm glad you think, because I was saying to him, I was like, and does France have a regional cuisine? He was like, yes. And I said, and how many times the size of France's blah, blah, you know? And he was all like, he had nothing to say. Exactly. I was just like, this is the stupidest thing you just said to me. I can't believe oh, you just said that. That's so bad. But it's the same thing with the Medea goes to jail. Like, why would you know? Yes. Why would, you know, whether or not you are half you're Blasian or fully mm-hmm. African-American. Also, African-American is so, like, all-encompassing, yeah. given the history of mm-hmm. Ar- African-Americanism, you know? Or, yeah. or Af- African-American population. There's just so much mixing. Exactly, yes. So how are you expected to know all of these exactly, things? Exactly. Like, like and Medea, why would you want to know Medea? Exactly. Telephony sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time, anyway. <laughs> He's opened his own studios in, in Detroit. I think that's a good thing, but still, he he made all those video movies. Yeah, uh, gosh. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, honestly, I do find enjoyment with some of them, but like, just he just kept making it. I'm like, they're just they're not they're not good, dude. Do something else. <laughs> Put your talents elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I recently saw with the woman from Empire, the star. Uh, Taraji P. Henson? Yes. I watched it because I saw her promoting it when it first came out on The Daily Show. And I was like, oh, I want to see this. And, and you know, she's a really good actress. I've seen her in other things. <laughs> so I saw it finally on, on Amazon. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is such a stereotype of the crazy woman. I was oh. like... Diary of the Mad Black Woman, right? No, no, no. Oh. It's it's uh, like two words or something. It's like, ah, okay. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't remember. I don't remember either. Yeah, but well, one word, one. actually. I don't know if uh, I've seen that one. You said, you said it was the first studio movie? I think it uh, might be his first studio movie. I was just like, you just, you're just like perpetuating gender stereotypes. Uh, oh, it bothers me so much. All bad. <laughs> Tyler Perry's Acrimony. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. It had the potential to be a very good movie, but it just became a stereotype. That's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Yeah. You haven't seen it? I have not seen it. Yeah. Um, It's actually a very beautiful, like, cinematically speaking. Okay. So, so. CSE, what do you think? Let me know. We have a debate. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've become even more selective on the movies that I see. I remember listening to Sean's interview. They said they don't like going to the movies because they always pick apart the cast and like the plot right. and all that stuff. Right, right. Like they just can't enjoy them because like the way that it's cast or like right. you know like there's always like diversity is like not represented well in the movies right, and right. stuff like that. Well, this one at least it doesn't have that issue. <laughs> so. Yeah. But it, it does have the gender issue, yeah. which to me is always sad. Yeah. Um, I, I say this, but then I'm, I'm always like a big fan of the Marvel movies. <laughs> like, I never miss a Marvel movie. Good oh, production man. value, but seriously, the yeah. storylines, story they're always just destroying some city. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, I've done that already. Oh, we've seen that. We, yeah. You fly everywhere, you destroy cities. And I, I love all of it. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm just like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's like escapism and like... It is. It, it's definitely easy to just like get you headed into the space. I love Miss Marvel though. That, or Captain Marvel, excuse me. That, she, she's also called that. <laughs> that I really enjoyed. I can't understand why she wasn't the one to wear the glove, you know, in yeah. the in game. I mean, it's like energy absorption. That's true. Yeah. They, I, I they, don't understand. They, they used... I think it's because, like, Tony Stark, like, he's the one that started the... the, the no, the, it's because Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, that's it's, true. It's that. It's somebody has more negotiating power. That's true. And, like, yeah. <laughs> we can't, unfortunately, forget the real-life aspect of this. If Mar Marvel Universe was real, there's no way that Captain Marvel wouldn't have been the one to yeah. use the glove, and then nobody had to die. Yeah, or Thor, or somebody, somebody that was like like that's a really powerful individual. Like, it wouldn't yeah. be Iron Man because but not Thor even. Yeah, maybe maybe the guy who's the um, who's the half um, the one from the Guardian of the Galaxies. I forget who's the one who's always listening to eighties music. Oh, Star Lord. Star -Lord. Oh, he he got he got his celestial power taken out of him though, so he's like oh, a regular that's human right. now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, after volume yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, true, true. It su which sucks. Like, yeah, yeah. So it's I'm still saying it's her because Thor doesn't have that energy absorption. That's I mean he yeah. is insanely powerful, but yeah, yeah, Captain Marvel does have that. But like, there's a lot of fans that don't like Captain Marvel for like other reasons. Like Why? I, I don't, uh, I don't know. Like I think they think it's like a feminist agenda or something like that, quote unquote. Whatever, and it's like, why is that a thing? Like, but even if it that that was, so what? I mean, like, look at the entire spectrum of uh, superhero movies. How many women do you got in there? You know, it's gonna take us years to catch up. For God's sakes, why yeah, are you so so insecure? Yeah, you know, I don't like understand. I don't understand. But anyway, we can talk about this <laughs> offline. But I need to I need to wrap up. Yeah. But in closing, so where where can people listen to you read? Honestly, I'm going to be in a child's play production called Eric and Elliot. Um, oh, cool. So I won't be doing I won't be that active in you know open mics or something like that. Right. I will I will do open mics in Palabras because I, I love right, Palabras right, and doing right. it there and like the audience is so I don't know I just warm, love it. Supportive. Yeah, very warm and supportive. There we yes. go. And that's every third Saturday of the month. Right. Yeah. Well, so tell us how, how people can follow you on like your social media. Then. That, that way, at least they can follow you and then you can let them know that way. I'm on Instagram at, uh, my, my username is at binge thinker. It's binge, B-I-N-G-E mm -hmm. underscore thinker, the word thinker. Mm -hmm. Or just put in Clinton or Clinton Vance or something like that. My nickname is Randy. Um, okay. <laughs> and it's Randy because I know I, I, I was gonna say this at the beginning, but I totally forgot. My nickname is Randy because uh, my middle name is Randolph. Okay. And a nickname of Randolph is Randy, and my dad's name was Clinton. Uh, and like you know, they wanted to differentiate between myself and my dad, and like okay. obviously he's the OG, so they give me the nickname. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotta pay respect. Yeah, so a lot of my a lot of my close friends, including Sean, Anna, and. and and uh, Aaron, they all call me Randy. Well, Aaron, Aaron has like this joke where she calls me Clinton and Randy, like Clinton <laughs> slash Randy. Clinton Randy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, is that it? Do, do you have other social media? I'm most active on Instagram. Okay. The Instagram that I provided. I'm on Facebook, Clinton Vance. Eventually, I do want to. I do want to get a. A website for my writings and and, and an acting website, you know, yeah, where I especially have, for that. yeah, right. especially yeah. absolutely like where I put like demo reels and right. you know pictures of myself and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Talk about like how great I am. Do. 
how awesome I am. You kind of have to. That is part of the job. Yeah, that's true. So, well, thank you very much for coming out to Poets and Muses. I really appreciate this. I am honored that you invited me. Like when when you talked to me at the showcase, I was like, oh my god, I've never I've never been I've never been interviewed like this before, especially like let alone for like a like any of my writing or anything like that. Well, think of it as practice for your future, for your bright, beautiful <laughs> acting future. <laughs> oh man, but this was a lot of fun. Um, it was it was it was good talking to you about the poems and like going off on tangents and stuff cool. <laughs> about movies and stuff. It was great. Good, good, good. Thank you. Thank you. The PBS special that inspired my poem lineage is called Native America: First Peoples, Ancient Civilizations, Enduring Cultures. You can follow us at poetsandmuses.com or via Instagram, Twitter, as well as SoundCloud under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter at either poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.